Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. How's everything uh, your way? Oh, it's good, man. I had fun yesterday, right? We got the uh, the Move the Six television show on the air, so that was cool. And I know we got a lot of good feedback from everybody, so thanks for, for the nice words there. If you missed it, uh, we have it coming up again. They're going to rerun it here on uh, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, also on Saturday at uh, 12 a.m., 4 a.m., and 8 a.m. So if you don't like to sleep, um, <laughs> you can you can get your Move the Sticks fix right there. Just pretend you went out all night long, right? Nobody can really go out, but just have one of those nights where you just stay at home, pretend you were out having a really good time, and then get yourself a cheeseburger and, and uh, pony up to Move the Sticks <laughs> at 4 a.m. Yeah. Um, no, but it was really it was really cool bringing that to light. Um, a lot of people behind the scenes really worked hard uh, to make that happen. And after watching it back, man, really, really excited because I really felt like watching it was just another version of our podcast. Yeah, it was fun, man. And uh, coming out of it, you know, it just sparked all these different ideas in my head, too, about other things we can do that will be fun and engaging and uh, and hopefully make this a show that just gets better and better as we go along here. But again, really cool. When you think back, September of 2014, 
uh, was the first Move the Sticks podcast, Buck, and that was with Howie Roseman, who was on the first episode, was talking about Chip Kelly uh, and the innovation there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Also touched upon the J.J. Uh, Watt contract extension. So oh, wow. That gives you a little a reference there of how long uh, we've been doing this podcast. So uh, to kind of work away at something, I mean, most people, when you try and study something and do your best to master a subject after six years, you, you become a doctor or a lawyer, and somehow we just con them into giving us a TV show. <laughs> no, um, no, but it's been it's been really fun because as much um, as we've put into it, I feel like we continue to learn. And with the guests, with our steady dialogue and conversation on air and off air, um, I feel like I continue to learn so much about team building, the scouting business, evaluating players, and all the other stuff that comes along with it. Well, one uh, one part of that episode uh, that aired was uh, little snippets of some of the interview we did with Urban Meyer early in the week. We put a little bit of that interview on the previous podcast with him talking about Michael Jordan and that documentary and and what he learned from that. But it's a long interview. And so today on the podcast, what we're going to do, we're going to run that interview in its entirety. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that. Urban Meyer talking about some of the great players he's coached, as well as uh, you know how, how to kind of foster that winning environment uh, that he's always had on every team he's been around. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this chat, and we'll, uh, we'll follow up on the backside of it. But here's our conversation we had earlier this week with uh, former Ohio State coach and three-time national champ uh, Urban Meyer. One of the things we love to talk about on the Move the Sticks podcast is leadership and team building. And one of our favorite guests, guests to have that conversation is with us again today, three-time national champion coach Urban Meyer joins the show. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great and uh, really good to be with you guys again. I really enjoyed last time we are together. Wow, it's, it's a lot of fun to catch up with you. I know this is a, a different time we're, uh, we're living in right now. I want to get to the football thing in just a moment, but I'm just curious if you've been keeping up with this documentary on Michael Jordan as someone with the reputation as competitive as you are, I'd love to get your feedback on what you've seen uh, from Michael and what you've learned through this documentary. Well, my whole family's mesmerized by it, and I, I think it gets better each week. Uh, I actually just spoke to a college football team. I got another one coming up, and I opened up with that clip. And the clip about, I, I'm paraphrasing Michael Jordan, where it was basically the, the, the scene was that he rubbed players the wrong way, which I think that's great. Uh, leaders, I've seen many leaders, great leaders, fail because they're worried about, I hate to say it and sound harsh, but you're worried about feelings. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a leader, you have a job to do, and that's elevate those around you. And Michael Jordan, that's one of the greatest when he said uh, winning, you have to pay a price. There's a price to winning, and there's a price to leadership. It's one of the greatest, from the arguably the, one of the greatest players in any sport of all time. That's one of the greatest pieces I've ever seen. And I've already used it a, a handful of times. I get chills as I speak about it right now. I mean, that, that, that's a really well done documentary. But I hope people really listen with intent because you can get so much from this interview. I mean, he's awesome. Hey, Coach, one of the things that I've heard you talk about when it comes to looking uh, for players, recruits, you said that competitiveness is the number one trait. And looking at that Michael Jordan documentary, does that kind of tie everything that you believe in when it comes to looking for excellent players? It does. And, and we have criteria that's set. And the number one common denominator of every great athlete, every great coach, every great person in corporate America, every great uh, military leader is the competitive spirit. It's called elite competitive spirit. You know, and Unfortunately, you look up the word competitor in the English 
in the dictionary, and it says a person who takes part in an athletic event. I cannot mm -hmm. disagree with that more. That's not a competitor. <laughs> that's a participant, which is fine. And that's where people understand. That's the majority of people that walk the planet are participants. However, when you start talking about the Michael Jordans or the Ohio State Buckeyes, New England Patriots, Alabama Crimson Tide, you're not talking about ordinary. You're talking about elite. Coach, when you when you look at those teams, and we'll get to football here in just a second, but I'm kind of fascinated by how the the personnel changed on those teams, but the the personality, I guess, uh, stayed the same. I think that speaks to kind of their core values there. But how do you you know? It's one thing to get to the mountaintop as you've done, but to stay there as that team did, as the teams that you were a part of did. Uh, what was the key to maintaining that level of success? See, I I if I don't know if I agree that I did a great job at that. I think we. I look at what we've done now that I've had time as we were builders. You know, we took four programs and within the first year, immediate turnaround and, you know, just getting a buy-in from the people. But as Lou Holtz used to say, it takes passion, energy, and focus to climb the mountain. Once you're at the top of the mountain, it's nothing but exhaustion. I mean, it's all arrows are pointed at you. And I think, you know, I, I think Coach Belichick is probably the best of all time at maintaining an elite uh, program. I, I think Nick Saban, you know, I've told him that and I just watch, you know, every year he, he, he's one of the best I've ever seen as far as not just building, but maintaining a, uh, uh, elite culture to say that that was one of my strengths. I think we did to a degree, you know, at Ohio state, I think we averaged 12 wins a year, but, uh, only won one national title. And, uh, so I don't know. I just think it's very difficult to maintain and uh, keep that elite. Uh, Joe Madden, I, I, real quick, Joe Madden, when they won the World Series in 2016, he's a friend of mine. We're sitting in his office, and he, we're talking about how hard it is to repeat. And I could share three times, at least twice, we had the number one team in America coming back. And he said, everybody changes. It's so hard to repeat. As a matter of fact, when you go through all the sports, the major sports, the opportunity or the people that repeat, it's a minuscule number. Very few ever repeat because everybody, you know, it's just the way humans are. We change. You know, Coach, in thinking about that, so then it speaks to uh, somewhere along the line you have to deal with adversity. And so you talk about being a program builder. What have you learned about helping teams overcome adversity so they can get to the mountaintop? Well, I've been talking about this lately, and it's there's a huge difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation is something that's a, and this is just me speaking, there might be some disagreements out there. Motivation is a tool in the toolbox. It's something that's very powerful, yet non-sustainable. And the, the qualities of motivation are love, fear, and hate. And as a coach, for example, fourth down and one against a rival in overtime, I'm going to use them all. I'm looking for just a short burst, uh, immediate uh uh, ounce of energy that can get us through this and I'm going to use everything. I'm going to get them to love me. I might get them to hate me. I might threaten their scholarship by the fear. Yet it's not, those are all non you know, love or fear and hate are non-sustainable. However, motivation or inspiration is all about sustainability. It's transformational. And the two qualities of inspiration are love and ownership. And so you talk about how do you overcome adversity? And in my mind, there's only one way. You better own it and you better love each other or you're going to fail. And and all the other things, you know, I, I just got done talking to a team. You know, a team comes out in a new black helmet, and boy, they're excited about their new uniforms or their, you know, throwback uniforms or the crowd gets behind them and they're playing off. That's a motivated team. 
that's non-sustainable. That's at some point that's going to fail. Uh, the inspired team, the team that owns it, and they love each other. Those are the ones you don't want to play because you're in for a, for a four quarter battle. Coach, you talk about uh, inspirational. I, I get a chance to see a little bit of the the special on Alex Smith and all that he's been working through and over, trying to overcome and just a, a gruesome injury. Obviously, your time together, you know him well. You know what makes him tick. Um, you know, just your thoughts on what he's been through and, and just your belief in him that he's going to come on the other side of this thing. Yeah, I, I am almost embarrassed to say as much as I love Alex and as close as we are, I didn't know the extent. And I, he's a private person. His wife is incredible. Um, his mom and dad are very close with him. Actually, went back and forth with him after that. I had no idea. It came down to the doctor saying we're in life-saving mode, then leg-saving mode. I never. I I heard it was bad, and we texted. I called him, but he's he's a very private guy. But uh, that's a testimony to first his mom and dad are educators, and they're a great family. But one of the key things that always stick out to me for the rest of my life with Alex is that last part of that show where they showed him running around with his family and he talked to Elizabeth, his wife, and he said, you know, we're blessed beyond, even as he's fighting for his life. So that's Alex Smith. He's a, one of the toughest human beings I've ever been around, uh, most competitive human being I've ever been around. Him and Tebow and JT Barrett, those guys are up there. But he also got a heart of gold and he's, he's you know, strong in his faith and he he, he's a, he has a sense of purpose. That's what Alex is all about. You know, Coach, you mentioned some great quarterbacks there, uh, Alex and JT Barrett and Tim Tebow, and you talked about those traits, competitiveness and toughness. And I think sometimes when we look at quarterbacks, we don't place enough value on toughness. When you're evaluating quarterbacks, how can you determine if they have the right toughness, the right stuff inside to be the leader of the team and really a, a winner? Well, that's a great – I agree. How do, how do so many people – make mistakes, me included. And in the NFL, when you have all that time and resources, how do you, well, he gets enamored by how the guy throws the ball. Well, I got news. That's a lot of people throw the ball well. What Throwing the ball well is not make, is, does not make Tom Brady Tom Brady. Drew Brees, uh, what, the reason he's the way is, is not because he throws the ball well. And, and the, the Rivers guy, uh, he actually doesn't throw. It's an awkward throwing motion, but he's a tough, tough guy, and he's a leader, and he's a competitor. So, uh, the older I got, we made very few mistakes on quarterbacks. And that was because we had set criteria that I would not, we would not take you if you didn't fit our criteria. And how do you evaluate toughness? I love the guy like Joe Burrow. I know he, he had all his success after he left us, but he was unrecruited. But we took him because of basketball. He was a maniac competitor, tough as nails, under-recruited, and we said, let's take him. JT Barrett is the most glorified uh, most uh, accomplished quarterback in the Big Ten. Why? Yeah, he's a little underside. He doesn't have the greatest of arm, but he's tough and he's competitor. And uh, toughness is not that hard to identify if you really do your homework. Coach, you talk about the toughness at that position. It's also just the time commitment and the the energy it takes to be successful at that position. When we, you know, you give a quarterback an assignment, you need to watch this tape, that tape, do this work, they do it. How do you go about figuring out what they're doing aside from the things they're asked to do uh, with such a time-consuming position? Yeah, it's rather obvious. You know, there's an NCAA rule that says you can only spend 20 hours per week with your players. And every year I would and remind them constantly, if you're spending 20 hours a week, especially at quarterback, you're going to be a very bad player at this level. You will not survive. You know, I know the NCAA mandates you can only spend 20 hours, and that's with coaches. 
you need at least double that. You know, that means film work on your own. Or, or I guess I just actually shared this with my daughter, uh, a Kobe Bryant quote that if your habits don't reflect your dreams and goals and then change your habits, that's too easy. I always say change your dreams and goals because you're never going to make it. I want to be an all Big Ten quarterback. I want to be a first round draft pick. And I think just honest, transparent conversation with them saying you have no chance with the current habits you have. If you are worried about spending 20 hours a week at a major college being a quarterback, I can help you. You're probably very bad at your skill. You know, you're not a good quarterback uh, because you're not willing to spend that inordinate amount of time to be great at at a very difficult position. Coach, there's a lot of criticism that comes with quarterbacks, and one of your quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, is undergoing some criticism. What is it about Dwayne Haskins that you believe that will eventually let him get on the other side and be very successful at the next level? I hate to be so simplistic on this, but you better surround him with some really good players. You know, the NFL is amazing to me is that the minute a team, they draft a quarterback, they put them on a very bad team, or there are a lot of culture issues, which I, you know, I don't want to start throwing stones because I, you know, I, but I do know. I talk to my guys. I talk mm-hmm. to a lot of these players, and you know, so it's a quarterback's fault now that they, they had uh, their coach got fired after what week three or four. They were in complete disarray, and it's a quarterback's fault now. You know, I wish college was that easy. For some reason, it's not the quarterback's fault. It's the <laughs> coach's fault. You know, but that it to me, it's about culture and leadership. You want Dwayne to be a great uh, player, surround him with some really good players. Surrounded with a really elite culture. Uh, why does the New England Patriots, they, there's teams in the NFL that have far greater players than New, they have to because they draft every year ahead of them. So on paper, there's teams that have been drafted ahead of the New England Patriots for 15 years, yet they can't beat them. What, so they're bad players? No, there's something else there. It's called an elite culture, elite uh, uh, leadership. They don't have that. There's something wrong with the organization. And so uh, Dwayne's going to be, you want Dwayne to be great? Put a, a lot of greatness around him. That, that's the one common denominator of all great quarterbacks. They have great players around him. No doubt, Coach. One of the other positions, and we can go through a list of just about every position where Ohio State has been. Let me, let me interrupt you guys out. real fast. Yeah, go ahead. Let me interrupt yep. you. Why, why is that that hard to figure out? <laughs> you know, why, why, why no. is it? Why, I, I'm just curious that you guys are obviously great at what you do. Why? So it's Dwayne. So it's the quarterback's fault. You know, never mind the fact yeah, I, that their coach got fired. The place is a mess. There's this going on, this going on, this going on. You know, a lot of stuff that I heard from behind the scenes. Because once again, I have several players there. Yet it's Dwayne's fault, or you know, some other great quarterback that went on. I'm more, you know, Joe Burrow. He's at the Cincinnati Bengals now, and they were two and fourteen last year. I'm a Bengals fan. Mm-hmm. I, I'm from there. But you want to know how Joe Burrow is going to become great? Surround him with a great culture, with great leadership, and some great players. He'll be great. If not, he won't. Yeah, we, we've talked about, Coach, not just the culture, but when you kind of look at the, the young quarterbacks in the league and look at a guy like Jared Goff who was kind of given up for dead. Um, and then we've talked about the three Ps. So you have the culture aspect of it. That's one side of it. But then the three play, Ps with uh, play callers, protection, playmakers. Like if you don't check all three of those boxes yeah. – especially with a young quarterback, man. You're not giving him a chance at all. And it's not a mystery when you see these guys take the leap. If you look at guys, if you look at uh, Lamar Jackson and what he's been able to accomplish, look at Patrick Mahomes, look at the culture, but then look at the protection they have, the play callers they have, and the playmakers that they have. It's not It's not a secret formula. I, I love that. I, I agree with you 100%. And look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith, I was told, was a bust in the NFL because he was with a really bad team 
that was really struggling as an organization. I, I remember looking it up. They were like in the bottom five in defense, bottom five in offense. They were terrible turnovers, terrible everything. And Alex Smith's a bust. And then he goes with a guy like Andy Reid, and he, he excels. You know, so I, I just I would love. I think you guys. You know, I, I just now that I'm actually on television now, and I try to get that message across to so many people. Quit blaming the darn player. You know, all of a sudden now he's a bad player. The guy threw 50 touchdown passes at Ohio State in a very competitive conference, and uh, he can. You know, obviously he's a great player. It's what's around him. You know, coach, and, and thinking about the and thinking about the NFL, uh, we always build teams with quarterbacks and pass rushers, and you've been surrounded by some great pass rushers throughout your time. What are the core traits that you look for when you're evaluating the position? Oh, pass rusher, we've had, uh, you know, going all the way back to John Simon, to Jalen Holmes, Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, Bosa, Bosa, and then Chase Young. And you just, first thing you always look for is just the gift. You know, you got to run. You know, you got to be tall, angular. Those are the ideal guys. I know there's been others, but that's what we look for. And then, as all other positions, is he a competitive freak? Because pass rushing on the body, that's one of the hardest things, most fatiguing things a human being can do. And you see a lot of great pass rushers get very average during the course of a drive because of fatigue. You see great pass rushers get very average during the course of a, a game because of fatigue. So we look for, obviously, the God gift skills. You know, you want a guy that can turn power to speed and speed to power. That means if he's bull rushing and the guy sets on him, he can turn that to speed move right now. If a guy sits back on him, he can be speed mode and then also be a bull rusher. So speed to power, power to speed, number one. Size, length, and then most importantly, a competitive animal. A guy, Nick Bosa, you know, he, he is very gifted. But you want to know what makes Nick Bosa Nick Bosa? He, you have to shoot him to stop him. He's a guy that will not stop. Of all the three, Joey, Nick, and Chase, you know, I, I loved all three of them. And, and the other guys, Nick Bosa's, you know, you have to really shoot that guy to stop him. That's what makes him great. That coach, I remember uh, being down there on the field before the Cotton Bowl against SC, and I, I don't know that I've seen a player, a singular player, dominate a football game. Even when he wasn't, even when the production wasn't there, there was so much disruption, there was so much attention going to him. Uh, it makes life easier for everybody else that's playing around you. Uh, when you look at the the corners you put out, coach, we we've talked about this a bunch on our podcast, but just kind of uh, the main the main schools that have been producing corners. When you look at Ohio State. Uh, you look at LSU, you look at Alabama, and not only are you getting great coaches at those programs with you guys, but also we, we believe there's something to the fact that you're playing against NFL wide receivers every single day in practice, so these guys are more prepared when they get to the next level. Uh, I, I'd just love to get your philosophy on what you look for in corners and, and how much you believe that iron sharpens iron has helped those guys at those schools. Well, the same qualities we talked about before, number one is competitor toughness, uh, leadership, intelligence, and uh, adaptability. But with a corner, uh, you're looking for a guy that can play man coverage. Let's not fool ourselves that I've never had an NFL scout or head coach come in and say, hey, we're looking for the best zone coverage corner we can find. <laughs> and I remember Bob Stoops once told me this when he was at uh, Kansas State. He said, this is well before a lot of people were playing man coverage. And I was an assistant coach, and I just talked to him. They were 99% man. And he said, you know, we recruit the man. Kids want to play man. That's why we get these great corners. And the kids get off the bus playing man. They go to sleep playing man coverage. And that was our – I know we've changed a little bit because you have to – you know, we, that hurt us at times a little bit near the end because we played so much man coverage, the crossing routes, et cetera. But at the end of the day, 
you know, like I said, every corner we've had, I think, six or seven first-rounders. The reason why? Because they can play man coverage. And that, at the end of the day, can you go not one guy? Maybe that's a new, or, hey, I'm looking for a good cover three corner. Never heard that before in my life. <laughs> I want to see, can a guy play man-to-man on a number two or number one receiver? That's every question. So we took that to heart, and we trained our guys every day to play man coverage. <laughs> Coach, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and I have competitiveness over and over, competitive animal, competitive freak, all of those things. But then it comes down to getting guys to play hard. What has been the one thing that's enabled you to motivate or inspire your teams to play harder than the other team? Because that's really the biggest determining factor in who wins games. You know, back in, uh, what was it, 2001, I got hired. Actually, December 2000, uh, 2000, I got hired at Bowling Green. And I got hired from Notre Dame. And Notre Dame will work for Lou Holtz and Bob Davey. And I remember Lou Holtz was like an encyclopedia. And he would talk to me about the plan to win. And, you know, what's the culture look like? And a little bit of trial and error, but my dream was always to have a team that was fearless. You know, I've heard coaches say that, don't make mistakes. Well, I got news. You're going to make a bunch of mistakes during the course of a game. I got something better. How about this? Effort, effort overcomes mistake 100% of the time. And you, if you don't mm-hmm. believe that, then, then that's fine. I believe that. I believe at the end, I, in my 33 years of coaching, I've never been on a team that if they played harder than their opponent, they didn't win. I really believe that. And I did a good job of getting that across to our players. The hell with making a mistake, man. You're going to make a bunch of them. You want to know what overcomes a mistake? You're going like your hair's on fire. We just call it four to six A to B. Four to six seconds is length of the play. There's always a point A and a finish point B uh, during a game. And I, wherever you start, just make sure between A and B, you're going a million miles an hour. So we believed effort overcome mistakes. I wanted fearlessness. I wanted, you know, I, there was times where people would criticize us because we had penalties. And I would often tell the media, I don't, you know, uh, silly penalties, of course. But that doesn't mean you have lack of discipline because you have a penalty. That means your football is a violent, hard game where you're playing very hard. You're playing so fast that you're fearless. You're going to have a penalty. I had no problem with that. And so it's just, you know, this is just a culture that I've always believed in. Coach, last question from me, uh, and you've been so generous with your time. We do appreciate it. Uh, there's unprecedented obstacles right now for coaches and for programs at the college level and the NFL level. But with those obstacles, also, there's some opportunities there. If you put your head coaching hat on at the NFL level or the college level, what opportunities do you see that exist right now in this unique time that we're living in? Well, adversity, when adversity strikes, which we are in adversity, when you lose a Nick Bosa, we lost Nick Bosa one year. He didn't play the whole season. And we still went 13 to one and went to the Rose Bowl. When it, when adversity strikes, that's when leadership and culture get exposed. And in corporate America, at the end of this virus, whenever this is, you're going to see companies that are bankrupt. You're going to see organizations that fall apart. And it's not because they have, you know, bad. They're selling default equipment or whatever. It's because they had a tough culture and tough leadership that didn't survive it. You're going to see college football. Some teams are going to blossom from this. Some teams will come out stronger than they've ever been. Other teams will fold. And it's not because of talent. It's because of culture and leader. What is your culture of your organization and how strong is your leadership? And I got just something to add about that. If you can't tell me your culture, then you don't have one. And I challenge coaches all the time with that before I speak to the team or their staff or even in corporate America. If I'm giving a speech, I'll say, well, tell me what your culture is. 
and I can tell if it's crickets or they start getting nervous, I always, often help them and say, you don't have one. Because if your employees or the, you know, if your players can't tell us what's expected, you have no culture. You know, it's, you can say it's important, but you don't have one. Awesome. Coach, that's been fantastic, man. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're busy, but um, it's all, as always, just so great to catch up with you. I hope you and your family are safe, and, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, so the second one, I, when I saw you guys coming up on the, on the calendar, I was really excited. I think you guys are awesome. I love your stuff. All right, Buck. Well, I, it was fun, man. We've got a chance to visit with Coach a couple times there. I do appreciate the, the, the nice things he said about us. I think that uh, um, he enjoys talking about this stuff. It's not just kind of the who do they play, who's going to win, who do you like. It's more about that conversation that we have on the podcast, which is how do you properly build a team and what to look for. Yeah, so it's so cool to hear him talk about it. He's been so successful. He is really the turnaround specialist. And when I listen to him, man, it's hard for me to imagine that he's never going to coach again because he has so much to offer in that world. And I know he's kind of turned and directed his pursuits to kind of teaching corporate people and other teams how to kind of build it and create and establish cultures. But man, he is so inspirational and he's so together when it comes to establishing and identifying what culture is and what it needs to be. I just can't imagine him just kind of, I don't say wasting his talents, but keeping those talents to himself. So here, here's the question I have for you, and we have not, never talked about this before, but in, in terms of multiple ways to get to the finish line, I, I think of Urban Meyer, and I would put him in that Michael Jordan classification of intensity, right? Mm -hmm. But then I think on the other side of it, and you look at Dabo Sweeney, and you look at Pete Carroll, which is more energy, I would say. So you have intensity on one side and energy on the other. Now, obviously, the intense guys have some energy and the energy guys have some intensity. But I would say if they majored, you would say, you know, Urban Meyer, Michael Jordan, major in intensity. Dabo and Pete, major in energy. Uh, I'd just like to get your take on that, Buck, how, how there's two different, a little bit different ways of going about trying to get the same thing. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about Urban Meyer and Michael Jordan uh, majoring in intensity. I think intensity is draining. And I think what happens is not necessarily that it's fear-based, but it's more, I would say it's more negative than positive. And I think that negative energy, harping on it, grinding on your teammates, grinding on your coaches and everyone around the program, I think that wears you down. And I think because of that, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Michael Jordan and Urban both have had to step away after notable accomplishments. Whereas with Pete Carroll and Dabo Swinney, because it appears to be more energy, uh, more inspirational, more encouraging, I think they feed off of their successes and seeing if they can do it all over again. And so um, because of that, I think there's a, a level of sustain sustainability. Um, I think they're able to kind of endure some of those moments because maybe they view the glass as uh, half full as opposed to half empty. And that allows them to continue to do it year after year after year. And I think something that Urban talked about, he said, look, we were great at building it and turning it around. Not necessarily as great as sustaining it. He said he didn't necessarily have that formula, that recipe. Um, it might be just the way that he is built in terms of his intensity makes it just hard to sustain it over a long period of time. Yeah, I think, you know, you put Coach Saban probably on that Urban Meyer side, right, with how they go about uh, doing their business. I, I would say the, the thing that connects them, though, with maybe a little bit different approach is that it enables you to get the best out of everyone else around you. You know, and so we, we talk about, I would say that phrase match, you got to match my intensity, right? 
but you also hear you got to match my energy. You hear that same phrase used with two different words. And I think that's the secret sauce there is that when you have somebody with that incredible energy or that incredible intensity and you get everybody else that's around you to try and match that level, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really, really apparent uh, with Coach Meyer, um, he has a very clear understanding of who he is, what he wants from his program, how he wants his program to look, how the people involved in the program have to be wired. And I think that is something that's very, very common with all the coaches that we've talked to about team building. The ones who have been in it for a long time, who've sustained a high level of success, they have a, they have a very clear picture for how the program should be, and they don't deviate from what that vision is. Yeah, and I almost was thinking about it. If you look at it philosophically, again, it's fascinating to me, just these two different mindsets. I would think if you were playing for Dabo Sweeney, right, you cannot wait for practice to start. Mm -hmm. If you're playing for Urban Meyer, I almost wonder if you can't wait for practice to end. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, But I does. mean, you're both going to be successful. It's, it's proven on both sides it works. But I, I think you use the word like exhausting, like, man, that would be kind of exhausting. Yeah, I, I think it, it, will, it would be exhausting. However, I, I will give him credit because... I think the level of success that Ohio State has had after he left is really a testament to the way that he built the program. And maybe Ryan Day is a little different. He's been able to take those positive things in the program and add to it. And having talked to Ryan Day and having been around him a little bit, like, man, he also has a very clear picture for how uh, that program should be built and sustain and operate. And the machine that is the Ohio State University football program is magnificent. And in the conversations, when he talks about the positions, the pass rushers, the cornerbacks, the success that they've had with quarterbacks, um, they just have it, man. And we could talk about the recruiting, but I would say it's the development. They develop five-star players, and they really, really maxed them out in the three or four years that they're there. Yeah, I love the uh, the conversation, too, on the cornerbacks. You know, when he talked about the fact that we, we tell kids, you come here, you're going to play man. We are going to play you in man coverage. And that, to me, is what makes the transition so much smoother for a lot of these Ohio State corners than for some of these other programs. But if you look at primarily the premier teams, it, there's only so many corners that come out every year out of high school that are physically gifted enough where you can leave them alone, let them play man coverage, you know. So there's a finite number of those guys, and they end up going to the same schools, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State. So they go there knowing they can play man coverage. You know, the one that I would say uh, is interesting is, is if you look at kind of programs around the country, Utah. Utah has been able to find those type of guys, but I think they've done a really good job of kind of taking those raw kids and developing them and putting them in a situation where they can play so much man. It's interesting that you brought that up with Utah because we've seen in the last couple of years, they've had a number of guys that have gone on to the National Football League and the number of corners and DBs that they've had uh, in the past few years, including this year, is really remarkable. But you're right about Utah and a development plan. Um, I think you have to really understand where you are, your station in life as a program and know where you kind of have to fish. Um, whether you, if, if you're Ohio State, you can fish in a, a finite pond and know that you're going to get all the blue chip players. But if you're Utah, you have to kind of fish in the ocean, find some of those uh, minnows that are out there and see if you can develop them. And they've done a really good job of developing those players. But there is something to playing man-to-man -man coverage at the collegiate level and having guys who can teach it because when you can teach it successfully, those are the players that go on to the National Football League and have a lot of success. 
Yeah, I, I want to kind of put a bow on that with, with Urban Meyer, Buck. And, and the other word I would say is if you're trying to find the different ways of doing things, the things that they have in common. I mean, he just you, you mentioned it during the interview, competitive, competitive, competitive. Like that word comes up with Urban Meyer over and over and over again. And you want to try and do both, right? You want to try and recruit competitive kids. But then you want to create a competitive environment for them where that can even continue to grow and build upon what they already had you know, kind of intrinsically there. So uh, to me, that if you look at the, the Pete Carroll's, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Urban Meyer's, the Nick Saban's, I think the competitiveness is something that pulls them all together. You know, DJ, it's, some, it's interesting because I go and I look at the book, uh, the diary that I've kept with all the coaches, interviews and the things that they've shared, um, the common denominator, uh, competitiveness, and they all speak about toughness. They all... Those words are intertwined in every conversation. We want guys that are competitive, that love winning, that do everything that it takes to win. They want to know where they stand each and every day. They don't mind having to earn their spots. And they have to have a level of toughness, not only physical, but mental toughness. Are they disciplined enough to endure all the things that we ask them to do? Do they have the resiliency to bounce back from difficult moments? Are they wired the right way? And that, I mean, that is why, like, when we look at college football, they're six or seven programs that are always in the conversation, uh, the tier one programs, and everybody else is a notch below. But competitiveness and toughness are the common denominators between all of those elite programs. One of the things I was thinking it would be great if you're, uh, you know, if we're back in it, right, and you're interviewing these kids, you know, whether they bring them into the facility at the combine now, who knows in the future, it could be over Zoom, right? Um, if, I, if I'm going to talk to an edge rusher from, uh, from Clemson, okay, so I've got an edge rusher coming to this next class. He's coming out in the draft. I'm going to call a buddy at Clemson, and I'm going to get their weekly schedule for, for a defensive player. So what they have you know, with weights, what they have with their meetings, what they have with practice. And I'm going to say, okay, I want you to walk me through your weekly routine. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go, okay, we have a meeting. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, hold up. No, no, I got the I got the paper right here. Like this is, I got all your meetings. I know what the team asked you to do. I want to know what you're doing above and beyond what you've been asked to do by your coaching staff. And walk me through that on a weekly basis. And I think that can help you figure out how some of these guys are wired. And if they are, you know, kind of that all in, can't get enough uh, type of player that you want to bring into your building. Yeah, I, I think to piggyback on that, Coach Meyer said something about quarterbacks, and he said, look, in, in college football, there's the 20-hour rule. But if you're playing quarterback in college football and you're only devoting 20 hours, there's no way that you're going to be successful. He was like, at a minimum, it's 40. And he said, yeah. really, it's beyond that. And DJ, what you talk about in terms of walking, walk me through your routine. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was in Green Bay, I just converted from wide receiver to defensive back. The defensive back coach name was Bob Valicente. Uh, Fritz Shermer, who is Pat Shermer's uncle, uh, was the defensive coordinator. And so I'm a developmental player. In each and every week, Bob Valicente, after the meeting, he would say, I need you to write up your personal game plan for the week. So basically what you're asking walk me through. He basically wanted me to walk him through how I would play if I got an opportunity. So to go through each and every coverage and tell them, hey, this is quarters and quarters versus this player, I would play press versus this other player. I'm probably going to back off and play bail. But what he wanted to challenge me to do is really think about the game beyond what we do in the meetings and be able to articulate it. Because as you and I know, when we're scouts and we're evaluating guys, there are a lot of guys that think they know how to do it, 
But can yeah. you tell me how you go about the process where I can understand how you plan and get ready? That's next level stuff. And those next level competitors are the ones that eventually star and play at a high level in the league. No doubt. Uh, I think, again, I think you, you get better you get better as you get older of figuring out how to get to the right answers, right? I mean, so much of it is just asking the right questions. We can all watch the tape. We can see if a guy can run, if he can jump, if he can find the ball, all that stuff. But you look at the misses, nine times out of ten, the misses have something to do with the makeup. And, and I think getting the right questions to get you to the right answers um, is huge. And I think that's something just scrimmaging this stuff with you on this show that we've been doing for the last six years. Um, it helps you kind of get to those right questions. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, that's why I think we get a lot of feedback from guys around the league that listen to this, because we don't come into it knowing what we're going to get out of the answer. We just know we're going to scrimmage this out. And sometimes this kind of stuff just comes out. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fascinating. But uh, I think as you've talked about it, you talked about it multiple times in interviewing Coach Meyer, but I think this kind of goes for us. Iron sharpens iron. And so I think what you have to have in any venture, you have to have people around you that you trust, that you can have open and honest dialogue that challenge you. You don't want to surround yourself with all yes people. And I think with Coach Meyer in building the team, I don't want uh, a couple of A-level guys and then all C's that can't challenge those guys. I want every player to know that the people that we bring in, the next recruiting class, that guy can also take your job. And so yep. each and every week, you have to compete. And if you don't compete, we have no problems playing the next guy. That story that he talked about with Curtis Grant and Aquan, Raquan McMillan and how mm. Curtis Grant was kind of a dog. Raquan McMillan was the top linebacker coming out. But all of a sudden, Curtis Grant upped the ante while also helping him. That's the kind of relationships that you want on championship teams. Yes, we're competing, but I'm also helping you be at your best. That is ultimately a championship standard. No doubt. Well, it was fun, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. If you want to see the video of the conversation, uh, it'll be up on the NFL's YouTube channel, so you can find that in its entirety. And while you're there, do yourself a favor and check out the high school video that we have. Now, this is a question we've asked to so many college coaches over the last year when we've had a chance to visit with them. Who is the best high school football player you have ever seen? And when we've asked that question, we've got some fascinating answers. Some guys you'll know from the football world. Some other ones are well-known uh, well players from other sports that were phenomenal high school football players. And not only is it the stories, we've got the high school video. So we've got the highlights of these players, including, I'll just give you one spoiler there. Uh, you want to see Allen Iverson's highlights uh, as a high school football player? Trust me, you will not be disappointed. But that video is on the YouTube channel as well. Look, it's a fascinating thing. I, I love that stuff. The high school thing has been something that we've worked on for a long time. But the names and the highlights, you'll just find yourself mesmerized looking at the highlights over and over again. Uh, the players that make it to our league and do great things, man, they're doing great leagues at the lower level. Uh, they're, just, they're just replicating what they've already done. Yeah, it's fun. It's actually led me to some fun ideas, too, of other things we can do with that high school video. Well, we won't spoil it, but it's uh, be on the lookout for that. We might be uh, introducing some of that into the TV show next week. So, uh, again, thank you guys uh, so much for, for hanging with us here. Thanks for supporting the TV show. Um, again, if you have questions uh, or comments, you can hit us up on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just go to the review section, leave us a little note there and a review, and we'll do our best to get those answered. We'll, we'll do a, a Q&A episode here pretty soon where we'll just knock out all the questions that we've missed on there and uh and kind of get those answered for you so again uh check out those videos on the youtube channel also nfl.com slash mts video uh you can find the high school videos as well as all our other stuff there as well uh so I do want to thank you uh, nabil and arjuna for the work that they've done mark 
Um, we've got uh, Matt Tanton, who's helped us with the TV show, David Singer with the guests. I mean, it's a big team of people here uh, that help us get this thing out to you. So hope you guys have enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in-store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.